I'd like to welcome everybody this morning. We got another great crowd, and I appreciate everybody making an effort to be here. We appreciate all the kids we got and the songs they sung. And, uh, just a beautiful day the Lord's blessed us with. And uh, uh, We had a little thought. We were uh, driving yesterday and uh, just kind of thinking and uh, praying a little bit. And um, the Lord uh, kind of gave me this thought that uh, uh, no matter what your situation in life uh, naturally we look at things and um, you know feel like some people's doing better than others, or uh, some people's been blessed with more things. Um, it doesn't matter when it comes to salvation. Uh, God gives us that opportunity the same, no matter no matter who we are or where we've been or what we've done. Everybody has that same opportunity and has to come that same way to be saved. Um, 
that thought just really blessed me yesterday. Um, you know, it just, uh, no matter what, we're all going to have that opportunity, and everybody has the chance to go to heaven. I pray when the Lord gives you that opportunity that you take it, especially if you're here this morning and not saved. But uh, we're thankful to be here, and uh, I'm ask, uh, Dad, you want to dismiss us to Sunday school? couldn't hear any echoes, so I didn't think I was on. I, I do want to mention a couple of preliminary things before I get started. Beautiful day. Just glad to be here. Uh, Wednesday night, after I got home from prayer service, <clears throat> Jeremy had mentioned about the new cameras uh, that the church has bought. I went home and looked at that, and boy, that's really exciting from a standpoint of our broadcast services that we do online because we've, we've got a camera. We've, we've always had a camera in the back, but that one zooms and moves around a lot better. And we've got one up here now, uh, right under the cross. And, uh, but it, it hit me this morning, and I'm going to ask Elmer, who's running those cameras, please don't zoom right in on the back of my head. All right? I, I got a spot right there. It might make a glare and mess the whole camera up. So, uh, but no excited about those cameras uh, that, that's a good uh, I think step that we've made and I think that'll make our, our broadcast service uh, more enjoyable and be able to see when people come up and pray I think we'll be able to see that, you know, maybe who that is a little better and those sorts of things another thing I'd like to mention brother Carl has been back I think now for a month and he's asked me every week would I teach and I told him I said, there ain't no way I'm teaching the first few weeks you're back. You've been gone all these weeks. Everybody's wanting to hear you teach. And uh, I said, they run me out of there if I got up first or second week you're back. But I appreciate him so much. And I also want to mention Brother Ronnie is here. Um, and two of my teaching, I guess if you want to use the word idols or heroes, um, 
and uh, I love both of them. Uh, both of the, both of these men taught me as a young man uh, at different times, and then as a youth, and and now into adulthood. And I appreciate them so much, and the gift that God has given them. Uh, and so I'm honored to have them both here. I desire your prayers this morning. Um, I've got I've got some thoughts. I've got a place to start. Uh, but then we've just got to trust in God. And if he'll come through, then I can teach. And if he don't, I'll say what words that I can about this lesson. And it, you know, it really won't be much teaching, but I'll do my best. It's basketball tournament time. Okay. And so I want to start off and you're, you know, you're going to look at me and go, why in the world is he starting there? It's just where my heart's at. I want to start off and talk about teammates. Okay, and how important the teammates are on your team. And we're going to start and talk a little bit about basketball, but obviously basketball is not really what my goal is here. There's some points I'd like to make with regard to our spiritual Christian teammates. Okay, and so I was, well, I mentioned it to Kenny this morning, Shawnee's boys basketball team had one of the best teams this year that maybe they've ever had. Made it down to the state tournament. I watched the game yesterday, and uh, they had a really good team. They had a lot of good players on that team. They had one young man that was just exceptional. And I watched them play and, and looked at a few games this year where really I think, this is just my opinion, I think the other team probably had four players that were better than the four players that Shawnee had. But Shawnee had that one exceptional player, and he was so much better than everybody else that they were able to win that game because he so outperformed everybody else. All right? So let's think about that from a, a spiritual standpoint. We're in a battle, spiritual battle, and we're all teammates, and... It's so important to understand who we're battling and what we can do to make ourselves better for that competition. And when I started thinking about this, I'll just use me as an example. After we're saved, and, and you can you know talk about this from a couple of different perspectives, but for me, my battle that I have daily is with me. Okay? Now, Satan is certainly there. All right? There's no doubt about that. He'd like to destroy me if he could. But the scripture tells us that he that's within you is greater than he that's within the world. So I've got the ability, should I choose to take it, to defeat Satan on a daily basis. Now, he comes right back. He doesn't quit fighting me, but I can defeat him on a daily basis should I choose. I was thinking about when Elizabeth was blessed to go play Division I volleyball. She played it for two years, and then she, she left that school and went and played Division II, but she was at, at the highest level, got to play against the one year she played against the team that later won the national championship, and but some of the things that were required of her from her coaches were when they had practice, she had to be there. 
if there was one, and this, this happened, didn't happen to her, one of her teammates overslept one. They had practice at 6 o'clock in the morning some days. Well, one of her teammates, great young lady, really good volleyball player, she overslept and didn't make it to practice one morning. Well, she didn't get to participate in the game that week. That was just one of the rules. If you didn't make it to weightlifting, then you weren't allowed to participate in the games. If you didn't go to class, that was the expectation. You had to go to every class that was on your schedule. When I was in college, I wasn't playing sports, and if I wanted to go fishing someday and didn't think that class was real important, I'd just go fishing. And nobody ever said anything. But when they're playing those on that team, that's part of their expectation. So I got to thinking about that. You know, if somebody checked my score sheet at the back door when I came into church on Sunday morning and said, did you pray every day this week at least one time? Well, I'll just tell on myself, nope, I didn't. I prayed some days this week. I was trying to get ready for the Sunday school lesson. probably prayed more than I do some weeks. Uh, but no, I didn't. You know, if, if we kept score back there and said, boy, when people came in, uh, it's been a while since you've been to church. Were you out because of COVID or were you just staying home because you didn't want to come? You know, well, that might get me every now and then. I try my best to come to church. Did I read my Bible? Well, I read my Bible a lot this week. But there's some weeks when I know Brother Carl is teaching that I may look at it one day and read the lesson and go, boy, I hope he does good with that, but don't necessarily get in there. So it is. those are the things... And our pastors preached that, and I think maybe uh, Elbert Smith might have said that at some point. You know, come to church, read your Bible, and pray. Those are kind of the necessities. If you want to be a frontline somebody that when the game is on the line and the coach says, Mike, get in there and get me a rebound. Well, it's not a basketball game that we're really talking about here, but if I haven't been to church in a month and haven't prayed any and haven't read my Bible and I come and I sit down over here, even if it's a spot that God would normally say, boy, I'd like for you to sing a song right now, I probably am not going to have any power or any liberty to get up and sing that song. So it's important to be ready, to be a good spiritual teammate. All right, I hope that makes sense to everybody. So where does that fit into this? Well, we're going to be in 2 Kings, 22nd chapter. And we're talking today about uh, King Josiah, who was king of Judah. I'm, I've got this timeline that I saved on here so I could try to get some of these numbers. He, he started his reign 640 B.C., before Christ, um, and right before him was his father, Amon. And right before him was Manasseh, his grandfather. His great-grandfather was Hezekiah. All right, so where are we at here? Well, Hezekiah had tried to turn Judah back towards serving God. And he did some really good things during his reign. And everybody probably knows the story about Hezekiah. God told him, you're going to die. 
And Hezekiah didn't want to die. He, wasn't, he didn't think he was ready, and he wanted more years. And from a natural standpoint, I get that. Turned his face to the wall and, and prayed, and God gave him some more time. Um, but during that time, he made some foolish errors. Uh, one of the saddest things that you'll read in the Bible, the Babylonian king came down and flattered him and told him how great he was and wrote him this great letter and, and sent envoys out to him. Well, he just invited them in and showed them everything that he had, all of his gold, all of his silver, showed him his whole kingdom. And as soon as the Babylonian king left, Isaiah showed up and said, because of what you've done, your kingdom in years to come is going to, everything you've got, all your riches are going to be carried down to Babylon. And uh, just a sad, sad thing. We've got to be careful who we open our heart and our riches to because not everybody that comes saying, hey, we're here to build the temple. If you remember that from a few weeks ago when I taught, not everybody is really there to help build the temple. The Babylonians had ulterior motives, and uh, they certainly took advantage. But nevertheless, Manasseh turned the kingdom back over. They were serving idols. Amon, same thing, serving other gods. So we get down here to the reign of Josiah. And the reason I started with the teammates, and I thought this was so important, Josiah became king of Judah when he was eight years old. So, you know, he was the king, but he had to have some, some help. And the help that he chose, and I believe that God chose, to put around him were some very godly men that were looking to try to do the right thing. We can put ourselves in a position as a Christian in a bad spot with who we're hanging out with, and it will greatly influence our decisions and what we do. Now, I realize I got to go to work, and, you know, I don't always have complete control over everybody that's at my work site. Um, but when work is over on Friday night, and they don't ask me this anymore, they did a time or two, but they know I, I won't go, you know, they don't say, Blaine, go over to the VFW hall and let's have a beer and we'll, and we'll play cards because they know I'm not going there. Uh, but I've got the ability to say, no, thank you, I'm not going to do that. So who we put around us, and this church is so blessed because we've got so many good people that we have the option to put around us and spend our time with and talk and study the Bible. But even if we're not in church and studying the Bible, if we're out doing something that's recreational, we've got so many good options of good Christian people to go do that that are like-minded. And that's so important to do that. So let's pick this up. So here, what's happened here is uh, King Josiah at eight years old, becomes king. And at 18, so he's 10 years in, he looks at some of these advisors that are around him and, and tells them to go to the, the temple and do some things. Well, these men go to the temple, and they kind of do an audit, and they're doing some other things at the temple. And they discover uh, this book, and they refer to it as a law book. It was probably Deuteronomy. I'm guessing it could have been Leviticus as well. Uh, might have been several of those first books of the Bible, but... 
something that had been out of, their, out of sight and out of mind for a long time, and they bring that back to Josiah, and they read it to him, and it just crushed him. Because in this book, it says, here's the way that Judah should be, and here are things that you shouldn't do, and if you do these things, destruction is going to come. Well, Josiah realized, my goodness, we're doing all these things that this book tells us not to do. We need, we need some help here. Is there some way around this? And that's where we pick this up. And there's a lot of unusual names. I'll try to pronounce them the best I can. But if I get them wrong, uh, be patient with me. So in verse 14, before we get there, does anybody have any comments or anything you want to add before we get into, into this? Okay. If you do, I appreciate your help. Verse 14. So Hilkiah the priest, and Ahikam, and Akbor, and Shaphan, and Ashiah went unto Huldah, the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tikva, the son of Harhas, keeper of the wardrobe. Now she dwelt in Jerusalem in the college, and they communed with her. And so that commune is just, they had a conversation with her. They went there, met with her, and communed with her. Brother Carl and I were talking this morning, and, and he had an uncle that was a preacher, Sewell Smith, and a great preacher. And uh, I got to hear him preach a couple of times when I was just a young man. But talking to him about women being called to preach. And he said, his uncle said, well, women aren't called to preach, and I believe that, and that's what this church teaches. But, and I believe that's what the Bible says, that's why we teach that. But anybody that's been saved can deliver a message if God gives them a message to deliver. And so uh, this woman here, Hulda, I believe she was a saved woman, I believe she was a godly woman. They went down to find her, and I believe God gave her this message that she delivers to them about what's going to happen. Um, and the other thing I wanted to bring up is when it says that she dwelt in Jerusalem in the, co in, in the college, uh, I don't know 100%, but I, it makes sense to me. Uh, the, uh, the Sunday school lesson and the commentary indicated they believed that it was talking about a specific section in Jerusalem where she lived. And so I wonder, I thought the college, I mean, we think of college, we think of university, you know, a university, uh, but that's what the commentary said, and that seems to make sense. So I think they're describing that she lived in a certain area, uh, you know, it kind of like be saying, well, you know, they live over in Northland in Lima, or, you know, they live in Shawnee, or they live at Eastgate. Uh, so I, I kind of think that's the description there. So. And she said unto them, thus saith the Lord of Israel, now, there's two words I want to focus on, and we're going to, I'm going to try to go through this lesson and come back to these two words at the end, okay? The first word is in this, this verse, and it's right here. Tell the man. So remember that. If you've got a pen, underline man, or just remember it in your mind if you don't want to underline it in your, in your Bible. Man. Tell the man that sent you to me. Well, who sent him? Well, Josiah sent him. So, I mean, she's referring to Josiah, uh, but here she refers to him as the man, okay? And I think that's important. Tell the man that sent you to me, Thus saith the Lord, 
behold, hearken, pay attention. You know, anytime that the, especially in the old scripture, when they say behold, it's, you know, put a marker on that or a star on it because, boy, something really important is getting ready to be said. Behold, I will bring evil upon this place and upon the inhabitants thereof, even all the words of the book which the king of Judah hath read. Well, your heart has to, you know, if you're Josiah and you're trying to look out for your people, your heart has to sink. Boy, that's a, that's a bad, that's, we were hoping for a different report, you know. Um, sometimes our people get sick and they're at the hospital and we hear so-and-so went to the hospital and really pray for them they're really bad sick and we're praying and hoping to hear a good report and the phone rings or a text comes through and, and it's not good you know that's but this is even bigger than that i mean this is the whole country it's a it's a bad situation and here's why because they have forsaken me and have burned incense unto other gods that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath shall be kindled against this place and shall not be quenched. I mean, that's a pretty bad place to be. But that's the message that the prophet has told these men, these people that were advising the king. Go back and tell this, tell, tell him this is what's coming. Verse 8, anybody have any comments on that so far? Okay, verse 18. But to the, here's the second word. But to the king. Okay, underline that or put a star or whatever, highlight it. But to the king. So the two words I want you to focus on are man and king. Okay, but let's see what the message is. But to the king of Judah, which sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall you say to him, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, as touching the words which thou hast heard. Verse 19. Because thine heart was tender, and thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord, when thou heardest what I spake against this place and against the inhabitants thereof, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and had and this is so important, I think this really shows you the heart of Josiah. See, the prophetess knew. And she's telling him this whole message all at one time, but she knew, because God had told her, when he gets this first part of this message, he's, he's, he's going to be distraught. And she, they already knew what his reaction was going to be. And hast rent thy clothes and wept before me. And that, some of that could have taken place even before he sent him down there. And I want to point that out as well, because he's already heard what the what the the judgment out of the the book of the law was but rent his clothes and has wept before me i have also heard thee saith the lord behold therefore i will gather thee unto thy fathers in other words you're going to be dead and shall be gathered into thy grave in peace so this destruction that has been prophesied and foretold isn't going to happen during your lifetime. 
And thine eyes shall not see all the evil which I will bring upon this place. And they brought the king word again. Okay. So one of my favorite scriptures, and Carl teaches on this a lot, um, and I've got it marked. I wanted to mention that kings and chronicles are, are similar when you're reading the Bible to the gospels. Uh, and that is... They will tell you, they give you uh, different looks or maybe a different uh, appearance at the same stories. And so there's a parallel to this over in Second Chronicles if you want to read it. Uh, I read through it. I don't actually remember what, what chapter it was. There's not a whole lot of difference. But just in case you wanted to read that. But this scripture that I, I do want to read, um, if I can find it here, maybe I'll get it in my phone because I think I saved it. So this is in Second Chronicles, and this is actually 300 years or so before where we're at. But a message from God, and this was to King Solomon, and I love this. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And that is such a great promise that we have. And it is, it just, I don't know if Josiah had ever read those words. I, I, he may have, he may have, that might have been his favorite scripture. But whether he had heard those words or not, he did what that scripture was saying here when he's reaching out to God and saying, you know, hear us, you know, we want to turn. He took some steps after this conversation here with the prophetess, and he had already been doing some things, but he took some additional steps, got rid of the idols, uh, made an edict that the people were to serve the God of Israel, um, the real God. And so he's doing some great things here, on behalf of his kingdom that he's in charge of. And, you know, unfortunately, after he died, it wasn't very long, I think it was within maybe four or five years, that the captivity in Babylon started and the, the boys that we read about, the, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, and, and Jeremiah started prophesying just right here during this time of Josiah, but kept prophesying right on into, you know, Israel being taken captive. And so those stories that we know about, this is, I mean, he's being told about it right here. It's going to happen because the kings after him turned back away. that They didn't follow it. So, you know, what we do in this generation and what we do right now, you know, if... If in a month from now or a year from now or a few years from now, we turn and aren't following God and, and trying to stay as close to God as we can, bad things will happen. I mean, God has told us, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. It's a daily battle. And, you know, what I did this past week matters. It counts. But if next week my buddies at work who I like are going to the VFW 
to have a beer and play cards, and I go, well, I'll just go with you. I haven't had me one of them beers. I'll try me one of them. What I did last week, it was important, but I've ruined my influence. I've killed what I've spent 53 years trying to, to, and I'm not saying I'm perfect in any way, so don't take it that way, but the daily struggle, we, you know, we got to finish what we've started. Uh, I don't want to be remembered when I'm gone for the worst thing that I did in my life. If I go out here and I'm on the front page with a DUI or I've robbed a bank or I've done some ungodly thing, the Lord has blessed me to do some good things, Mike, through my life, and I appreciate it. And it's not me, it's him. I've told you that. When I doubt, I'm not doubting God, I'm doubting me. But if I go and do that and that's, you know, that's what I'm remembered by, People say, I never did think much of that guy. That's just the truth. I, I always thought there was something off with him. You've all heard people say that. I mean, I'm just telling you, that's the way it is. Whether that's really what they thought or not, maybe that's what they think. But even if they didn't, people will say that because they want to jump on the side and go, yeah, I, I thought there was something funny about him all along. You know. So, any comments on that? I'm going to go back now. I want to talk about man and king. But any comments on, on any of that? Okay. So you probably have figured out, but plan of salvation is in this message, in this lesson here. Okay. Um, and it, it, it really hinges on these two words, man and king. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, all right? But the end thereof is death. I, I think I probably didn't quote that exactly right. Um, man, that's the fleshly part here that you're looking at. When the gospel came to me, it basically told me what this prophetess told these advisors to go tell the man. Go tell the man that he's in trouble, all right? Gospel told me, you're in trouble. You're lost, you're separated from God, and there's no hope for you save one thing. And that's what she says, go tell the king. The king, what are you talking about? Over in Revelations, first chapter, I think it's verse 6, says, and I'll paraphrase this, but, through Christ's blood, he has made us kings and priests. When my soul gets saved, I'm made, I'm made a, a king. Now, I'm reigning with Christ. I'm certainly not the king. He's the king of my soul, but I am in charge now, and I have control through him right back where we started. He that's within me is greater than he that's within the world. I've got the ability on a daily basis to win the battle if I'll put my trust in my king. If I don't put my trust in my king and I try to fight that battle with just this flesh, just this mind, I'm going to come up way short every time. But plan of salvation. He tells the king because, listen, I, I love this, because thine heart was tender. 
That's where I was at when I was lost and I was begging for salvation. I said, God, please save me. I mean, my heart was broke. It was, it was crushed. Because thy heart was tender and hast humbled thyself before the Lord, I was, and I wept, and I, was so, I knew my only chance at salvation was through him. So the plan of salvation uh, in this lesson, so good, and look at what the Bible is saying to the man. There's some scriptures over in Proverbs. I read through several of them this morning. I, I don't really feel like getting into them, but that talk about things to the man, the flesh, and then that inward part that, that God seals up and it's kept. And I mean, it's already saved. I'm not waiting on it to get saved. It's saved. Um, and so uh, appreciate your attention. Does anybody have any comments uh, this morning? Anything you'd like to add? There's a lot of ungodly things going on. And you read the book of Jeremiah, and, and I, I've read it. I love Jeremiah. I love to read through it. It's a sad, it's a sad book. Uh, but Jeremiah was probably in the same... I mean, he could see that things were not going the right way. And he was trying to sound an alarm, saying, hey, we need to turn from what we're doing. And uh, the kings and, and you know... They didn't really, most of them, didn't want to hear it at all. Uh, they punished him. They put him in stocks. They threw him down in a pit. Uh, they called him, essentially called him a traitor because uh, he was warning them, hey, this is coming. we got to turn from this. Um, but, yeah, God won't bless a country that moves away from God. And that's, you said it so well. This is a great example. He kept giving them warnings, and there were some people that were turning to God and trying to do what was right, but it seemed like it was kind of a slope like this. One would try to fix things, and then three in a row or four in a row wouldn't, and then one would try to do something and would try to get the country back to where it needed to go, and then three or four in a row wouldn't. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bad situation, that's for sure. You know... Um, Jeremiah suffered right along with the rest of Judah when they were taken to Babylon. I mean, he suffered. I mean, he suffered at the hands of his own people. But he, I mean, so just because you're, you're trying to stand for right, if the majority goes the wrong direction, you, you can be doing right but still suffer. And, and Jeremiah, you know, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know, great examples of that. They were trying to do what's right, and God blessed them. But boy, the blessing could have been so much more if they had been back in their home country and 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 it had hadn't departed from God. Uh, so, but good point. Appreciate that. Anybody else?
Yes. Yeah, that peace doesn't mean like you were saying, and that's a great point. I had read that and was familiar with the, how Josiah died. You know, very, sound like a very painful, you know, uh, death, uh, certainly violent. That um, doesn't mean we're not going to have problems in this man, but that soul part is where that peace is at. Uh, yeah, you know, you think about the funeral that we just had here uh, for Elmer Martin, you know, he had problems and he had cancer and it was sad and that you know that fleshly part man you know and I miss Elmer but that that inward part that king part man you know good for him I mean he's uh, he's at peace um, and we we don't have to wait till then to have that peace when we get saved that peace is down in there uh, and you know sometimes this flesh gets overwhelmed with with you know natural things and it's hard to settle down and, and look for that peace, but it's there. If we'll let God, it's there. So. Manasseh. If that book was, if that book was being read and and paid attention to on a daily basis, probably wouldn't have been lost. (laughs) 
it was it was probably it was definitely out of those first five books uh, it was probably Deuteronomy I, I think that and it could have had some Leviticus uh, in there as well but probably Deuteronomy 